Hey, and welcome to the Short Stuff. I'm Josh. There's Chuck, and this is Short Stuff, uh, and the one where we get into explaining why some places you go to see a movie or a play are spelled theater, T-H-E-A-T-R-E, and others are spelled theater, T-H-E-A-T-E-R. And it has nothing to do with one being futuristic (laughs) or anything like that. Uh, And I love this because, like, when we go on live tour, Chuck, it's almost invariably theater, but um, there, every once in a while you run up against a place, a venue that spells it theater with the E-R instead of R-E. Um, and it's, it's mind-boggling. It's, it's, uh, it's probably the, the worst thing that happens on tour is, the, is having to deal with the differentiation between those two. Yeah, it's funny. I, I had a feeling you were <laughs> going to mention that because when we do our, uh, our tour website there through, uh, through our old pals at Squarespace, mm-hmm. um, I always have to go back and double check, and you're right. It usually is R-E, mm-hmm. it seems like, and I like the way that looks on paper and on a billboard. Yeah, it looks very regal. It reminds you Classy, of like huh? rich, yeah, rich <laughs> like um, uh, red, deep red velvet curtains and things like that. And it's like an evening with Josh and Chuck, not just Josh and Chuck live. Yeah, come see Josh and Chuck if you want. Who cares? <laughs> you know? That's the ER version. The RE version is, like you said, an evening with Josh and Chuck. That's right. Uh, So this all came about from uh, one man, and his name was Noah Webster. Mm -hmm. And at first I was thinking, wait a minute, did Mel Gibson play him in a movie? But I looked it up, and that was uh, the guy who was writing the Oxford English Dictionary. Oh, really? Not Noah Webster, who wrote Webster's Dictionary. What book was that, or movie was that, The Man with Two Faces? No, it was uh, The Professor and the Madman, I think. I have I never heard it. of that. Oh, okay. So I have. So I've heard the story before that there there was a dictionary out there. I thought it was the American English Dictionary, not not the Oxford one. That like there was a guy who um, was in an asylum for yeah. decades and contributed like significantly to that dictionary. Right. That's the one. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've heard I've heard good things. I that, didn't that know is, Mel Gibson uh, was in it. Yeah, the famous anti-Semite. Right. So um, we're talking instead about the other dictionary, not the Oxford English Dictionary, the um, American English Dictionary created by Noah Webster, who turns out to have been a bit of a polymath back in the 18th century. Cool dude from what I understand. Yeah, he seems like a quite the Renaissance man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born in uh, Connecticut in 1758. And after the Revolutionary War started in 1775, he was in college at Yale. Mm-hmm. War ends. He's uh, in a militia, like a patriot militia, graduates, and then becomes a teacher and then an attorney. And then started to say, your articles of confederation are garbage and, in the way they're they're laid out. And it would be much better if you did these things. Yeah, I couldn't find what he was um, credited with as far as that goes, although I did see um, some free speech stuff. He may have been a big advocate of free speech. Well, he was uh, a member of a anti-slavery society, so... He was a founder of the Connecticut Society for the Abolition of Slavery. Yeah, so that tracks. And he also helped found Amherst College mm-hmm. in Massachusetts. But he's known as a uh, dictionary guy. Yeah, and he had this whole thing where... He felt like America needed to come into its own intellectually 
or celebrate its culture more intellectually. And that a good way to do that was to kind of separate itself um, education-wise from the old British system and the old British books and use brand new, um, beautiful American books. Uh, and he, <laughs> there weren't any at the time. So he set about creating one himself. He found out, like, actually little American school kids are learning from the old British books. And he was very upset about that. So he said, you know what? I'm going to create something different. Yeah, and uh, pre-dictionary, which we'll get to after the break, he wrote something called the American Spelling Book, mm -hmm. um, which was also referred to as the blue-backed speller. Mm -hmm. I guess it had a, a blue cover on the back is the only thing I can think of. I, or it was referring to a character who had a blue back in the book. <laughs> Maybe so. But it was a big success. It sold about 100 million copies uh, by 1883, which is just astounding. Uh, and we know now because we have a book that has not sold 100 million copies. No. No, Chuck, it was 100 million <laughs> copies by 1883, so in 100 I know. years. That's really astounding. And it's still in print today. Yeah. But uh, it helped standardize American English for teachers and then he thought, this is great, but what I really want to do is write a dictionary. And we're going to take a little break and tell you about that result right after this. Okay, so uh, Noah Webster is riding high on his blue-backed speller and the success of it, and he's he's done something he wanted to do, which was um, help de-Britishize American school kids' learning. So that was a yeah. good good first start. But then he said, you know, yes, I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> I also think that we need to get to the adults as well. We need to just basically create a tome, a text that is the definitive guide to American English. Because everybody's running around here saying things a little differently, but we're still spelling them the British way. And that has to end, say I, Noah Webster. That's right. Uh, and it ended up being that 70,000-word dictionary, the American Dictionary, I'm sorry, an American Dictionary of the English Language is the full title. And he said, you know, the word color, it doesn't need that you. You don't hear it. It's right. useless. We're wasting ink. Drop it. Uh, plow. You want to plow a field? Just go out and P-L-O-W that field. Don't P-L-O-U-G-H that field because that's a waste of time. <laughs> right. What you want to do is go hit it with the W, the P-L-O-W. And right. um, I'm very grateful to him that we, we have words like draft spelled with an F rather than a U-G-H or, you know, plow spelled the right way. Um, and color without a U or honor without a U, it all makes sense. And I guess it had to do with, um, the like I said, the way that people were pronouncing words in America. We were still saying the same word, but we were... We were saying it slightly differently, so it made sense to kind of alter the spelling. Um, some words he went after, though, did not stick, though, did they, Chuck? Yeah, <laughs> they look so funny on paper. I wish they would have stuck uh, because he proposed spelling tongue, T-U-N-G, which for some reason just looks infinitely dirtier 
<laughs> right. It looks it's sexual for some reason yeah. to me. And uh, women, W-O-M-E-N, he proposed should be spelled W-I-M-N, I'm sorry, W-I-M-M-E-N, women. Yeah, which sounds derogatory almost. Like tongue yeah, sounds dirty totally. and women sounds like <laughs> who cares kind of spelling. You know what I'm saying? So I'm glad that those two stayed the same. Yeah, and it, it just looks very strange. Of course, it, had they made those changes, we would look at tongue, T-O-N-G-U-E, and think that looks very, like, draft, mm -hmm. D-R-A-U-G-H-T. We would think that looks weird because it's just what you know growing up. But theater is what we're here to talk about. And theater was one of those, uh, I think, pre-Webster, it was always R-E. Isn't that right? Yes. That was, there was no other way to spell theater except T-H-E-A-T-R-E until Webster came along and said, nuts to that. Yeah, swap them out. Uh, but it's this is what, an example of one that kind of half took. Uh, there is no correct way. You can use either one. Uh, there is a notion within the world of theater that if you're talking about the world of theater, you say R, you spell it with an R-E, but you actually perform at a theater with an E-R. And I th think I kind of knew that, but that's not even, you know, the hard and fast rule. Which, I mean, that makes sense to me, but I don't think, Chuck, I've ever encountered anybody who actually, like any any normal person, um, like just walking around that believed that or that held that, that viewpoint. Have you? No, I, I mean, I think I've heard that, like I said, theater with an RE might refer to the industry of putting on plays and shows, but sure. I've never seen anyone write, you know, in the theater, we perform at a theater and then right. spell that two different ways. Yeah, I just, I've never encountered it before, but it, it does make sense. And apparently some people do kind of see see the world like that. But for the rest of us, we're just going to stay muddled and confused till the end of time, swapping right. out RE and ER for theater, because in the end, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the, whoever you're talking to is going to know what you're talking about. And if you're a uh, prescriptivist, no, a descriptivist, that's that's language. That's what counts. That's right. And uh, I think the end result is hopefully sometime next fall and winter, you might be able to see, uh, spend an evening with Josh and Chuck at a theatre. Right. Or if um, you're just kind of feeling super American at a theater. Right. Okay. Uh, well, since we said theater two different ways, I think everybody, it's clear that this is the end of Short Stuff. And Short Stuff says, adios. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.